Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close? If not, pull the outright upset. Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Yes, hello there one more time in the month of June and one more time for this summer on the only digital radio show that loves to focus in on those teams that are not given as much of a chance. Usually the road team, usually the little guy, the underdog. It's what we're all about on Three Dog Thursday. I'm merely the somewhat competent host. In a moment, Brian Edwards back with me, senior handicapper from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. I love his insight, especially on the NBA. So much to discuss. In fact, I am profoundly disappointed uh, that Brian Edwards at this point in time does not intend does not intend to be inside the State Farm Arena for Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Atlanta Hawks. However, those plans could change. However, uh, he will explain himself a little more that he may be saving up and loading up for the NBA Finals if it comes to it, to be there uh, for the Hawks, if they can make it past the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, I say it's an if. He says it's a win. 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 W-H-E-N. Win they beat the Bucks and win the Eastern Conference WIM. So Brian with me in a moment, uh, much to talk about. And again, however you found us through a, a social media link, through sportsgamblingpodcast.com, uh, through their network fleet of shows, whatever the case is, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, or as they say now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, follow this podcast so that you get the automatic update when the subscription comes in. Follow us on Apple and Spotify, subscribe everywhere else via uh, Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, anywhere else that you get podcasts. Follow us, subscribe, and you'll get it. Now, I I will say up front for the first of a couple of times, this is the final episode that we're doing in the summer uh, here on Three Dog Thursday. Well, I say summer as in June and July. We will be back in August, which is still technically summer, ramping up for the football season. Stay tuned for the previews, the insight of the analysis on the college and NFL football coming in August. For right now, though, this will wrap things up for the NBA and the NHL, kind of with a cliffhanger at the moment. But you still want to be subscribed when we come back to do new episodes, is my point. Subscribe to us on Three Dog Thursday uh, to go and uh, and to, to get it done. So much to talk about. Again, Brian is amped about his Hawks uh, and their chances to be in the NBA Finals. My Tampa Bay Lightning, the Champa Bay Lightning. Now, uh, I don't know the result as we tape this podcast and, and release it on Thursday. I don't know the result of game six, which is Wednesday night. Lightning and New York Islanders with the Lightning a chance to clinch 
and go into the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row and for the third time in the last six seasons, you know the answer. Did they clinch it, or is it a game seven on Friday night back in Tampa Bay, downtown Tampa, for the matchup for the Lightning trying to go for the repeat? So I'm amped about the hockey. Without further delay, Brian Edwards is back with me here to talk about his Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks as well as the Suns and the Clippers for the NBA playoffs. Good to have you. We got playoffs going on every which direction. We're still fired up about it, still watching it. How you feeling, Brian Edwards? I feel great, man. Um, feel great. And uh, I wish uh, game one was on Thursday so I could endorse this Hawks underdog play <laughs> that I'm going with Wednesday night. <laughs> So he is going with it, and you already know whether he was very smart. It's plus seven, am I correct, to take the Hawks or to go up? Or did it go up? It keeps going up, and uh, I love it. Uh, I know that um, one of of my accounts had it at eight and a half like an hour ago. I bought bought it to nine. Let's see what they have. Uh, In Vegas, it's just eight across the board. Looks like DraftKings has eight and a half, but eight everywhere else, total 225 and a half. In Atlanta, around plus 295 on the money line. And uh, I like it on the money line as well. The Hawks are going to win outright Wednesday. Oh, how about that? So, again, you're listening to us on Thursday, and you already know how smart those statements are from Brian Edwards or not. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to more of the Hawks and the Bucks in the final segment of the show when you come back. I should make mention the Basketball Writing Hall of Famer Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News is in the middle segment talking a lot of NBA. We're about to get to the controversy at the end of Game 2 of Phoenix and the Clippers and the clock and all of the painful molasses slow delays at the end of that game before the alley-oop lob to DeAndre Ayton that won the game uh, as as the Suns won yet again. Uh, they, they've now won, what, seven playoff games in a row by virtue of the game two win. So Mike and I are going to talk at length about the controversy. Brian and I are going to do that first. Brian will then be back on the backside to talk more about the Hawks and the Sixers. But just in the general sense right now in these playoffs, you can't count on anything. I mean, we released this podcast last week, and the Hawks turned around from a 26-point deficit to beat Philadelphia in game five, come home, as you know, Brian, and lose game six – only to turn around and rally in the fourth quarter and win game seven in Philadelphia. We we released the podcast last week with Kawhi Leonard injured, and we've written the obituary on the Clippers, and they proceed to turn around and beat the top-seeded Jazz in game five, which we didn't know, and then beat them in game six just to make the Western Finals. This has been bananas crazy right now in the NBA postseason, my friend, just as a general comment. We don't know what to think. Yeah, I mean, and Trey Young goes five of 23 from the field and commits six turnovers in game seven and Atlanta still won somewhat comfortably. Um, I mean, you know, Philadelphia, they, Atlanta didn't make their first uh, bucket from the field till like seven ten left in the fourth quarter, but still Philadelphia was only able to get to a four-point lead, their biggest lead of the game, and uh, we hit a three um, to cut it to one. Uh, just like that once they built it to four. Um, And now Trey did come through in the clutch, though, which speaks volumes of him. I mean, he was having just an awful game. I think he was like two of 18 or two of 19, but he scores 10 of his 21 points in the last six and a half minutes. And Kevin Herter came up big. I mean, Bogdanovich, who is a game-time decision Wednesday for the series opener, 
was, you know, really on one leg and only played about 20, 22 minutes in game six and seven. Uh, the Hawks, though, um, Cam Reddish has been out since February 23rd. Um, he's been upgraded to questionable for Wednesday night. So, and he was cleared by doctors like a week ago for full everything. So he, he might be now, I don't know where his game is, you know, not being out so long, but sure. you know, part of his game is just that he's a really good defender and he's got good size and they're not looking for him to shoot a bunch of threes or anything. So maybe he can contribute a little bit. Um, and, and that's what they may need is, is some defensive help because, DeAndre Hunter, he's probably their best perimeter defender outside of DeAndre Hunter, and Hunter's obviously gone. Well, and again, we've seen craziness, including Milwaukee since last we've talked, winning a game seven in Brooklyn. I know the, the Nets were banged up and injured, but still Milwaukee recovered, won that as the top seed. They're hosting the Hawks, so it's just been crazy. Uh, in the playoffs. All right, I want your insight because as we're taping this, we're off the Tuesday night game two win by the Suns on the alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton at the end of it. Again, a final uh, minute, two minutes that just had one subplot after another, one review after another, painfully long reviews, and yet Phoenix wins again. So, Brian, what are your thoughts now that the Suns are up 2-0? We release on Three Dog Thursday with the Clippers hosting game three back in LA, but give me some thoughts on what the Suns have done to this point and how they pulled that game out to keep it from being a one, one split headed back to Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, kudos to them for getting it done um, without Chris Paul. Um, however, though, um, the Clippers got them right where they want them. They've been down Oh two in both series. So they're right where they want to be. And uh, believers in the Clippers now have some value at the future book. They're now 15 to one to win it all. Uh, they could have easily won both of those games. Certainly. Well, I mean, they, they did have a nice little rally there uh, from like whatever, about a minute uh, 20 to, to like the, you know, 20 seconds, you know, uh, uh, they were down five with what, like a minute 20 left, but they come and take the lead. And, uh, and then that, uh, that at the end, I had the Clippers plus the points, So it worked for me, but um, you know, Clippers, this is going to be a great series. Uh, it's not going to be quick and easy like it has been for Phoenix. Um, well, at least with Denver, I think that, I think the Clippers got plenty of good ball left in them, and uh, I think they're going to win. Certainly, as we look to uh, that is going to be Thursday, right? Uh, yes, correct. Uh, Thursday, Saturday, correct. And it looks like Phoenix has moved into the one point favorite role now. I think it was Clippers minus one earlier day or, or pick them. So uh, I like the Clippers um, on Thursday. Uh, against Phoenix. I wonder uh, about what you think of the psyche of Paul George, who played so fantastic in the absence of Kawhi Leonard at the end of the Utah series, and he's played well for much of these two games in Phoenix, but he stood at the foul line with the Clippers up one with a chance to put him up three or at least at the minimum put him up two, and boink, boink, he misses both, and then that leads to the lob at the other end of the floor. I know they got a stop and the ball got knocked out of bounds and that led to the lob. But am I being overly dramatic, making the reference to Nick Anderson bricking the free throws for the Orlando Magic against the Houston Rockets 25, or 26 years ago? Yeah, the 95 finals. I mean, Paul George stood there and that was on the road. Nick Anderson was at home. Uh, Nick Anderson missed all three of them, but still those are two big misses at the end of a game. They could have stolen. Does that damage Paul George a little bit? Quick thought from you, Brian Edwards, Vegas insider, MajorWager.com. 
Well, if they get swept, uh, he can take all the heat for it in the world. But in terms of how it affects him going into game three, he's fine, man. That guy's been through a, a mental marathon and roller coaster in the bubble last year to falling behind 0-2. And he was playing horrible against the Mavs those first two games. And then he came back and, and uh, played great and, and wasn't playing that great uh, the early part of the Utah series. Um, and, and then just played phenomenal since Kawhi got hurt. I think his confidence is brimming. I mean, he made uh, several huge shots before missing those two free throws. I think he's, I think he's fine. Now, is he uh, exempt from criticism if they do uh, not bounce back here and, and get swept or something? Yeah, sure, you can criticize him, but I, I think he's fine. He, he's had a lot of ups and downs and has responded well. I think he's playing terrific basketball right now. I think he'll be good to go on Thursday. All right. Again, you made mention of the futures odds and the Suns odds changed a little bit, but you mentioned the Clippers 15 to one to win the whole thing. The Suns now what updated? Uh, what was the latest that you had on that? Uh, yeah, so because the we were talking West, about that. Yeah, the Westgate uh, Superbook in Las Vegas currently has the Bucks at minus 110, uh, the Suns at plus 140, the Hawks at 14 to one, the Clippers at 15 to one. They have the Bucks minus 500 to win the series to the Hawks and the updated uh, series prices: Suns minus seven hundred and Clippers Ooh. plus five hundred. I'm not. I'm not against. Um, uh, you can if you have props for your series bets. Uh, I think you can get the Clippers plus two at like uh, at like um, even money or plus one ten. I'm not against that. They're going to get a couple at home, in my opinion. We'll see. Yeah, and they've got an opportunity here now with Game Three and Game Four. And uh, by the way, all right, so we have not followed up. You and I a week ago were talking at this time about Chris Paul and whether he could play, emerge from the, the COVID nineteen protocols. I would love to tell you and the audience on Three Dog Thursday, however you found us, that we have more clarity specifically on this. All we have is detective work to go on. So here's here's the latest seven days later. Uh, the Suns notified the NBA that they had a positive COVID test. They wouldn't say who. It appears that it's Chris Paul who tested positive. Here are the questions we all have. There are mul multiple people that have now reported Chris Paul's been vaccinated, and yet he tested positive. So the question then becomes under the protocols, how did he not emerge with negative tests? Was he showing symptoms, et cetera? Doesn't play in the first two games, Brian Edwards. So we're confused by that. We wonder if he can play in game three Thursday. Again, the audience knows that answer if they're listening to us uh, after Thursday, whether he could play. Can he play on the weekend in L.A.? He was quarantining in L.A., this is it's a convoluted thing because there's not been a, a good enough transparency on did he test positive? Does he have symptoms? And what's up with him having taken the vaccine and he can't get out of the COVID protocols to play in these vital games? Amazingly, though, the Suns won the first two games without him. Yeah, um, I, all I know is there was that report from um, uh, Woj that uh, they're optimistic he's going to be able to go in game three. Um, so that's all I, all I know. Um, and again, that would be related to taking negative COVID tests for like consecutive right. days or two and sure. four days or three and four days, and then he could emerge. So that's, that's the hint on that. But I mean, for all of the talk everywhere in society, on the news, on the internet about the vaccine and what it prevents or whatever, 
it's a big deal if he's a vaccinated player who can't play because of a positive test and does he have symptoms or not? And we just haven't seen enough about that. I realize there are HIPAA laws and privacy laws. To me, he should have come out. He should have come out and cleared it up about whether he's been vaccinated and whether or not he has symptoms or not. And then we wouldn't have these questions, but that hasn't happened, Brian, to this point. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if I'm an NBA player, the you know, the only reason I'm getting vaccinated is to prevent this so I can get yeah. to the damn playoffs without yeah. this kind of nonsense happening. This is why yeah. I'm getting vaccinated. I probably wouldn't get vaccinated otherwise. So, I mean, I hate it for him. All right. So we'll find out what happens with, with that situation. But again, they've won the first two without him. Devin Booker even got the broken nose in that game in game two. There were so many crazy things at the end of game number two. Uh, of that playoff series uh, with the Clippers. So uh, just one from you, please. I, I mean, it was painful how long those reviews took. Are you on board with me? They have got to reel this back in like a fishing rod here on length of time. And for the love of Dr. Naismith, for the love of the Larry O'Brien trophy, for the love of the legend of, of like Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Don't leave Larry Michael out Jordan. you say legend. Don't leave Larry we out. We, we can't leave any of those guys out. For the love of all of that, can we please stop allowing teams with no timeouts to huddle up around their coach while we do a replay review? Otherwise, why are we keeping track of how many timeouts you have left? Just let them have a timeout whenever they want if we're not going to keep up with it. It's crazy what went on at the end of that game the other night. Brian, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's probably a terrible uh, analogy. But, um, you know, in the UFC, when there's a, a, a finger poke or there's a, uh, a hit to the uh, groin junk and, and it, you know, they call time and somebody gets time to recover, they always, and especially during the pandemic when there's not fans because you hear it, if the coach says anything to his fighter during that little time, I mean, the referee is no coaching, no coaching right now. And you have right. to go to the far away, like the, the guy has to go to the far away corner of the octagon away from his team and his corner and his coaches. So, um, yeah, they need to put a time limit on it. Certainly you can't huddle and draw up a play and there needs to be like a, a time limit on it um, because that took way too long last night. Now, I mean, we got to get the calls right and everything, but all that took way too long. And Phoenix should not have been able to just draw, draw up the play. And, and they didn't have a timeout left and they got like three minutes literally to discuss yeah. who do yeah. we want to inbound the ball. We want Booker to set the screen stuff that should have never happened without yeah. a timeout. That's yeah. the point. They should have never been over there with Monty Williams diagramming who he wanted to throw it in, wanted Booker to set the screen. It's just crazy that it's like the Wild West. And I don't blame the coaches and the teams right now because until you enforce this or streamline this, they'll take advantage of a three-minute delay while we can huddle up and diagram a play without a timeout. Crazy. Yeah, you know, it was Lou bitching about that afterwards. I couldn't take any more of those ESPN guys. I had to get <laughs> if it was TNT, I'd have been if it was TNT, I'd have been watching all the post game stuff. I, I, I mean, just, even I if change the channel, even if he was griping, Paul George missed the free throws, and they don't right. defend DeAndre Ayton going to the hole correctly there at the end of the game. Be more worried uh, about that. I would. Yeah, think. I mean, why was Zubak or, or Zubak or uh, why right. was he like out with Ayton on the free throw line, like and getting screened, like? Dude, Zubak, sit your ass right there. I think they were. I think they were so concerned with where is Booker that that was part of it. But they, the alley oop was there. And again, I'll talk more with Mike DeCourcy about this in the middle segment. 
they knew the rule and the Suns actually there was video on social media on Twitter and on the internet last night the Suns ran this similar alley oop about three or four years ago from the sideline out of bounds in front of the visiting bench they lobbed it and and got the dunk because the ball can be over the cylinder on an inbound play it's not a shot and so Aiton puts it in memorable moment for the Suns who are now two games away from getting back to the NBA Finals. We'll see what happens uh, with all of that. Brian, stand by. You're going to come back and talk more about the Hawks and the Bucks in our final segment as we wind it down uh, here on Three Dog Thursday and take a little summer hiatus. Brian will be back. we got more on the way with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News in the middle segment. All of that as we roll along here talking lots of playoffs. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on the NBA championship and the Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. If you see a ticket you like but think the price is too high, submit a bid for the price that you think is fair and then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of the button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket should be worth. In fact, just last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Milwaukee Bucks ticket on a championship future, getting it for $150 when they were down 1-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. That same customer resold their ticket through PropSwap for $1,000 after the Bucks won Game 7 last week. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Kind of think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use our promo code SGP and your first deposit is for up to $500 in bonus cash. $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. That's Prop swap. Hey, do you ever feel like you're always on and what do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? Every day it seems to be go, 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 and it's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Well, guess what? You can reach for a Coors Light because it is made to chill. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button and do so with Coors Light. Reminder that Coors Light is cold, lagered, cold-filtered, cold-packaged. It's literally made to chill, and it's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Once again, Coors Light, the official beer, by the way, of the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs is Coors Light. And when you are thinking that it is time to cool off, to be refreshed, Memorial Day weekend or throughout the summer, When you reach for a Coors Light, you know it's made to chill. So again, with whatever you're doing, however fast it's going, however hot it is, remember our friends at Coors Light. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content 
from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. As we do roll on, again, he is one of the guys I go to for insight, especially when we have mayhem like what we saw at the end of the Western Conference final Phoenix Suns L.A. Clippers basketball game the other night. Uh, Mike DeCourcy, one of the great basketball writers, uh, typically of the college variety, but you know, I enjoy all of his writing with Sporting News. Uh, love having him on whenever I can get some insight on all things hoops and other things. Good to have you back here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, my friend. And much the way that the Suns won the game, that's how Mike DeCorsi used to win games back in the day with the alley oh. buzzer. Oh, I mean, you absolutely. always played above the rim, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, I, I will. I, I will. Uh, I will leave this earth at some point in the hopefully in the distant future without ever 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 having. <laughs> Dunked. Uh, that's one of those bucket list things. It's not going to happen. Not yes. At this point, for you and me both, I think we're resigned to that fact. Okay, so a fun one because we've already been talking about it in the podcast. Did you come out of your chair? I couldn't see you. I've communicated briefly on Twitter and off the air, but I don't know this answer. Did you come out of your chair like I did on the alley oop? Oh, it was it was great. It was an amazing play. Uh, not you know not you know I I, I the late the, the linguistics of the way it's been described over the last. 12 to 14 hours, uh, designed an amazing play. Come on. I mean, like everybody has that play. I mean, come on. I, I, I don't know when it came out. They, they ran it for Kenyon Martin back in our, uh, our conference USA days yep. at Cincinnati. Um, but I mean, everybody has that play. It's just being able to pull it off when you have, when you know, everybody has that play, but what happened, you know, the, the, the device that makes that happen, is you've got Devin Booker and you get him involved in the screen. And that's where the genius was uh, the play itself. Not that, you know, n- not, in, not that invented 20 years uh, later, uh, Kenyon Martin, you know, uh, that it's been 20 years since Kenyon. So, uh, but the getting Booker involved so that you gum up the defense and get them worried that if I don't, if I don't stay with Booker, they toss it to him and he shoots a 14 footer been making them all night. So that's where it becomes a special play. I'm not taking away from what Monty Williams did. I'm just saying that's a routine play that was intricately designed relative to the personnel. Again, to make reference before you and I began our conversation, I have already been sounding off on how painfully long all of the reviews and the delays were. Uh, Mike, the floor is yours. It literally took 20 minutes, 20 to zero to play the last 11 seconds of that game. (laughs) Sound off, please. My friend, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports, uh, calculated 33 minutes to play the final two. Uh, And I did today in my column calculated that it took seven minutes uh, and and I didn't calculate this. I mean, I got yeah. I guess I had to do a little math. It took seven minutes to play the final eight point four seconds. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I mean, that's legit. That's the that that seven minutes. And and you find that on the NBA's timestamp on when they did the reviews. 
took seven minutes to play the final 8.4 seconds. It's ridiculous. It's got to go. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, the, the reviews are absurd. And I, I, the one way that you, that you, there are ways to streamline the process. You put a time limit on it. You either, you either get it right in a minute or it's over. And the second element of it is uh, the, the timeout, the impromptu timeout, de facto timeout the, that develops uh, because there are reviews. That can be adjudicated out of the game. That can be put into the rule book. Uh, one ref watches one group, one watches the other. Nobody goes to the timeout because when you allow that, it takes time for those players to then reassemble on the floor and commit and recommence play. So that's got to go. And then let's be realistic about the the nature of the replays. The 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 Devin Booker out of bounds, nine point three seconds. Great play by Patrick Beverly to tap it out and good for him, uh, you know, because he's this is the way the rules are working to say, hey, I, I think that went off his hand. Uh, but the reality is that in we've been playing NBA basketball since 1949, playing college basketball, another, you know, at a, at a relatively high level for another decade plus before that. And so out of all these tens of thousands of games, uh, the defender knocks the ball out of bounds. It's off the defender. And the physics of it not leaving the hand until after, I mean, that's, you know, that's not consequential to how the game has been played for a century. So that rule has to be rewritten so that every single play like that, like if you think it went off his ankle, that's a different thing. But if the defender knocks the ball out of the offensive player's hands, he knocked the ball out of the offensive player's hands and it should be returned to the offense. Can't agree more that, and I've, you know me, I've been preaching for a decade in college basketball that they have to streamline the amount of time. And in particular, I'll echo what you were saying and enhance it. If you don't have a timeout left, which Phoenix did not have a timeout left to diagram that last play, and you're allowing them to huddle up and diagram a play, then what are we doing at the end of games with yes. why do we keep track of how many timeouts anybody has? <laughs> That's it's a great crazy. point. It's crazy. And, and this first came up for me in 2013 NCAA tournament. Davidson was playing Marquette and Marquette was out of timeouts and Davidson was ahead. And because of a replay review, uh, Marquette got to drop a last shot and they won on that last shot. And Bob McKillop, one of the best basketball men, one of the best people in basketball said, then this has got to go. Coaches are addicted to timeouts. They, they, you can give them as many as, they, as you want, and they'll take them all. Uh, and they control the rules in the college game. But they don't have as much control of the rules in the pro game. So the NBA should take command and say no. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Uh, and, and the length of the reviews, all of that's got to be streamlined. I mean, we have just... It's it's almost like the best way that I can describe it is it's great to have some ice cream, but it's never good to have the entire carton of ice cream. And now we've gotten in the habit that every time we're going to have ice cream, we're going to eat the whole carton and just I'm just going with the food analogy and just review everything like and have it take forever to the point that nobody wants to have ice cream anymore. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I just, I try. Uh, again, Mike DeCourcy with me from the Sporting News. Love his insight. National columnist, again, in the Basketball Writers Hall of Fame for the college game uh, in particular. One other thing that you hit on, and I want to 
illuminate this. Um, in moments like that, you talk about award-winning stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and bestow the Sports Emmy myself on Jeff Van Gundy in specific, but the whole team, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson were all over the rules all over what should or shouldn't be happening with the goaltend and the review or not. Is it legal or not? Who's supposed to still be on the floor or not? They were all over it. I know you were complimentary of that as well. Social media and on sportingnews.com. They were, they were on point. That's a tremendous broadcast team. The lead team on ESPN, ABC, a follow up on that, elaborate on that. They are great. Uh, but in that instance, uh, Van Gundy really stood out uh, because he knew the rule and I'll be honest, I did not know that rule. I, I don't know whether that is a college rule. I'd never seen it happen before. The, the goaltend rule that you can't have offensive goaltending off an inbounds play. I, I, did, I was not aware of that rule. I believe it is the case because it's not a shot. It's not considered a shot. And if it goes in, it's illegal and it's a, it's a violation and the other team gets the ball. It's not considered a shot. I believe that is the case. But you and I will have to consult the rule book together. But I have Gundy, never seen it happen it right in a away. college game. Right. And I, you know, I've seen way too many college games for my own mm -hmm. good. Uh, and so, and then the, the, the substitution issue, you know, knew the rule relative to the substitution in that circumstance. And more impressive than that, knew who exactly should be on the floor and who should exactly not be on the floor. I mean, the two big guys kind of obvious that if you were aware of the rule and that one's not as complicated a rule. Um, if you're aware of that rule, then, you know, the two big guys got to be out there. But he knew who had to go off. Uh, it was it was really impressive. I thought he did a phenomenal job. And, you know, again, that was that nine seconds took forever. But he stuffed it with a bunch of information and was on top of everything. Uh, he's a really terrific basketball analyst. Uh, Breen's an absolute superstar uh, as a play by play guy. Uh, people who do the NBA at this level, uh, Brian Anderson, you know, obviously Marv Albert's still working. Um, the, 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 the Jimmy Jackson, my good friend from BTN, uh, we're really blessed with some terrific analysis. Greg Anthony doing the NBA now on TNT. How about, uh, can I interject? Everybody about, talks about the studio yeah. on TNT, but there, but the, the, the game analysis is great. Can I interject too? Hubie Brown is 87 years old and he is still <laughs> sharp and you still learn from him and he's got great insights. So you're right at the highest level. And I didn't mean to derail you. The TNT studio show is phenomenal as well with Ernie Johnson, uh, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith and Shaq uh, dispensing uh, takes knowledge, making fun of each other. We, uh, we love that as well. And again, um, it's not easy in real time with all the craziness going on for guys to sort things out. But I mean, you're right. Uh, that that's where the the guys that have the best insight rise to the top. The guys that know uh, what the rules are, know how to articulate it. They they rise to the occasion, and that was a big moment at the end of that game and all the chaos and all the mayhem to explain it correctly because they didn't go uh, in, in, even in in the immediate moment they didn't go to their NBA former official Steve Javi and have him do it or another ref do it. Those guys were doing it and knew it and knew it correctly to be able to explain it much the same way that Mike DeCourcy does. I only have you for a couple of more uh, moments here. Um, are you fascinated by whatever NBA finals we get here? It could be Milwaukee or Atlanta. They're beginning that series right now. Right now, the Suns are two games away from the finals to be back there for the first time since Michael Jordan KO'd them 30 years ago, nearly the LA Clippers, by the way, have never been in the finals. The Atlanta Hawks have never been in the finals. Definitely going to be different. 
in 2021, you're fine with it? Real I think quick? it's great. You know, th- there were people uh, when the finals grouping, uh, the, the conference finals grouping was established, uh, people, some prominent media voices who were complaining about the absence of the elite teams. And I, I've always thought that that, you know, that, that that's preposterous. I mean, I, I don't care, you know, relative to the NBA, whether they get the best ratings. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, they're still going to get paid and, and a lot of people are still going to watch. And if every single person in Poughkeepsie doesn't watch because the, the uh, Celtics aren't in it or, or the Lakers aren't in it or whatever, that doesn't affect me. Is it going to be good basketball? Well, my goodness, have we seen that? I mean, is, is that not evident from what we've seen in the last couple of days? Of course, it's going to be good basketball. It's going to be phenomenal. So I, I don't understand the complaint. I, you know, when I get to the final four, I don't look around and say, oh, boy, this would be so much better if, you know, the final four is the final four. And that's true as well at the NBA conference level and as well as the NBA finals. It's going to be great. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see it. And, and it's going to be good for the league to have some variety uh, in its championship. They, they, the NBA has had fewer champions in terms of the percentage of its membership than MLB by far, than NFL by far. Uh, so it'll be good for the league to have, you know, what likely will be a different champion this year. I mean, there's a one in four chance that they will have a champion who has been a champion before. 75% chance it'll be a new one. Well, and to your point, at least recently, we've seen different ones, whether it's Golden State or Toronto or Cleveland or the Lakers, and it'll be somebody different than that group this time around. We'll see if that is the case. I only have another moment or two. Uh, I wanted to go over with you about the Supreme Court just slam dunking the NCAA to use the basketball metaphor, but read Mike DeCourcy, read his timeline, read it in the Sporting News. You'll get more on that. The draft lottery was held. The Pistons have the number one pick. Just real quick, Kay Cunningham appears headed there. Is there a player or two that intrigues you right now at the next level when they have the draft later this summer? And if so, who is it? The player who intrigues me more than anyone is Sharif Cooper, the Auburn point guard of last year. Took a while to get on the floor. NCAA was looking into eligibility. Gets on the floor, plays 12 games, then he gets hurt. But he was dazzling in those 12 games. I mean, he's not a very good shooter, but that's common in this draft. There are very few uh, really terrific shooters. Cade Cunningham is one of them. It's one of the reasons, one of the key reasons why he is the the likely number one overall pick. Uh, But Cooper is just an absolutely dazzling creator. What he does is extremely rare. There have been very few players who've come along that do what he does in terms of just tearing the defense apart and making things happen because of his ability to accelerate and handle the ball. And also to to see, he's got great vision. The question that I had in watching him, because I never got to see him in person, pandemic, they don't make the tournament. I think they were were, uh, withheld from the tournament uh, on a self-imposed ban. So I didn't get to see him in person. On TV, he looked small. A friend of mine who's a prominent analyst in the college game said that they think he's only 5'11". And so I was really intrigued to see his measurement. Now, the NBA Combine measurement comes out yesterday, and it says he's 6'4". And <laughs> so, like, I don't know what to think. I even looked before we talked. Did they, did they maybe correct that? Adjust? Right. You know, I would not have been surprised if he were 5'11". I would not have been surprised at 6'1", 6'2". 
but six four, right? Like six four, how is he not a top ten pick? He, I mean, he is an absolutely offensive, uh, an absolute offensive wizard. Uh, he is not a great shooter, but he can tear your defense apart. And so, if he's six four, I don't see how he doesn't go in the top twelve picks. If he isn't. I could see why people might be a little bit concerned about defense and those sorts of things. Sharif Cooper, a name to keep an eye on, and a couple of others. And Mike will be writing about all this. We'll see what happens in the NBA. The college game will be here soon enough. I always love your insight. Thank you for spending a little time with me here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Happy rest of the summer with all of this. I promise I will not be bothering you until we get around to some college hoops, et cetera, coming up. So I look forward to that. But thank you for spending some time uh, with me here. And I know you're joining the crusade that we're all in together. Shorten the review time for the love of all that's holy. <laughs> Shorten the reviews. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely, TJ. Anytime. We do come back in one more time. Senior handicapper, Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. Love the insight of Brian Edwards. Again, find him on MajorWager.com. Find his Twitter handle, VegasBEdwards, for all the latest on the playoff trends, the injuries. He's been so good. And you've been rolling along with all the great uh, selections, not just underdogs, the under-over totals, et cetera, all through the NBA season. And we've loved that. And we're coming to the conclusion of Three Dog Thursday for the summer uh, for right now. We'll be back later in August, later in the summer. That still qualifies as the summer. But we're done here in June for a little while. But but I can't let you get away before we're done here in this final segment without talking a little Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, the audience knows the outcome of Game 1 Wednesday night. Brian and I are taping on Wednesday evening just as that Hawks game is about to be played in Milwaukee. Congrats to your Hawks advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time. They've not been in the NBA Finals ever. Milwaukee's not been there since some guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was with the Milwaukee Bucks. How about wait, wait, that? Wait, let, me, let me correct some of that. So this is in the Atlanta era. Um, it, Atlanta's only been in the East Finals once in 15, got swept by LeBron, but that, that was when they had the – Bullshit call on Horford when he when when uh Daly, that little scrub Deladova from St. Mary's, took Barkley's uh knees or uh Horford's Horford's knees out. This was one game after he had hurt Corver by diving at his knees, that scumbag. And Horford in midair gets his knees taken down, and so he comes down kind of hard and he gets ejected when we're up by like eight. That was such nonsense, okay? But then um uh, the Hawks moved to Atlanta in 68. They went to the East Conference Finals. And that was their only – only now right. St. Louis, they won it all in 58. But in Atlanta, we – I'm not allowing you on Three Dog Thursday to claim the St. Louis Hawks. Oh, I'm not. Victory. I'm not. I'm just saying I'm if you hear it done by these other commentators, that's right. what they're referencing. The, I'm not claiming The Atlanta anything. Hawks have not been there. And, again, the Milwaukee Bucks right. have not been there since Richard Nixon was the president and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who many people do not remember, played for the Milwaukee Bucks before he was traded to the L.A. Lakers, was with the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Was he still Al uh, Sender when he was with Milwaukee? I think he might have been. Yeah, he may, he may have been before he was Kareem. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, that's it's been a while for them. And again, the Suns, not since 1993, uh, when Michael Jordan, the Bulls beat them and the L.A. Clippers have never even been in the Western Conference Finals, much less the NBA Finals uh, for that part of the series. But anyway, Hawks versus Bucks. You've already come out strongly that you believe Atlanta will get at least one of these games 
uh, in this series. You love the Atlanta play as the underdog. I, I got a feeling even for the Friday night game, no matter what happens in game one, you're going to love Atlanta as the underdog play, probably getting something like six or seven points again for Friday night for three dog Thursday purposes. Not a bad thought process by you, but um, check that. I will only like the Hawks in game two if they don't win outright in game one, because in game two at the Knicks and game two at Philly after Atlanta had, had won game one on the road in both of those series, um, they, they, those were close games, but in the end, uh, they, they ended up losing by double digits and not covering. So if Atlanta wins Wednesday night in game one, uh, I probably will not have them in game two, but if they uh, do not, win in Wednesday's game one I will have them in game two and I don't anticipate the line moving a whole lot regardless of tonight's result I think it'll be in that seven to eight range regardless for game and again if you're listening to us on Thursday as Thursday unfolds into Thursday afternoon and Thursday night you already know whether the Hawks won on Wednesday night uh, in Milwaukee it is a great point they won the first game in each of the previous two series can they keep it up? And nobody, I go back to what I said earlier, nobody has any idea what's going to happen in the basketball playoffs or the hockey playoffs with home ice or home court advantage because the last three games of Philadelphia-Atlanta was a Hawks win in Philly, a Philly win in Atlanta, and then a Hawks win in Philly. So it's the home court disadvantage almost in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And again, Milwaukee won a game seven in Brooklyn to be able to survive and move on to the Eastern Conference finals. So you don't know what's going to happen in terms of these road teams, but we do we do love uh, the underdogs. And one more follow-up point here. Uh, Mike DeCourcy was talking about it in the last segment. It's new blood again here for this year because, uh, again, the only team that has won a championship in its current city out of these four is Milwaukee, like you referenced the St. Louis Hawks got one. But you've had – a Golden State, a Cleveland win, a Golden State win, a Toronto win, an L.A. Laker win last year, and now you're going to have somebody other than all of those teams that's going to end up winning it this year. So the NBA's had new blood and different blood in recent years here, which is not a bad thing, I say. You agree with that? Yeah, no, it is. It's, just, it's really good. I like it a lot, and, and the Hawks are here to stay. I mean, they don't even have DeAndre Hunter right now. The Hawks are going to be in this mix for a long time moving forward. Um, as Travis Schlenk has done an amazing job uh, uh, in just four years of, of tearing this thing down, getting rid of the bad contracts and, and acquiring assets and working masterfully in the draft. And he, he didn't have to give up hardly anything to get Clint Capella at the deadline last year because he was hurt at the time and he didn't play the, any of last year when he came to Atlanta. And then the way he, he, uh, he had um, – saved his he didn't spend on free agents the two previous years and they had plenty of cap room he saved it all for this year and he got Bogdanovich uh Gallinari and then some savvy veterans like Solomon Hill and, and Rondo which turned out to be Lou Williams yeah and so the Hawks are where they are and it will be bananas just quick quickly are you going to try to find your way in to the Eastern Conference final I mean there's no guarantee on the NBA final so are you going to try to find your way into the State Farm Arena uh, here, well, the audience okay. should know you can get there by car, your proximity, you're in the region. Are you going to try yeah, yeah, to find yeah. your way there? It, it, it's a five-hour drive for me, and that's not – I can knock that out, no problem. Um, here's the deal. So I'm going to Vegas for the Conor McGregor fight July 10th. So uh, by the time games three and four are – and by the way, they're like Sunday and Tuesday or Saturday right. and Monday or something like that. Um, uh, and my good buddy, I normally stay at his – him and his wife's just – 
pimp ass house. <laughs> anyway, they're gonna be out of town. And so, and I know we're going to the NBA finals. So I'm just thinking, I don't want to travel two weeks in a row with the Vegas thing. I'll just wait to the finals. So. so the interesting thing, again, I'll share this with the audience. You know this. My family and I were headed to Vegas for next week at the time that we're taping this podcast. We were looking at the possibility that the Vegas Golden Knights would be hosting the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe against my Champa Bay Lightning. The Lightning are a game away. Again, you know the outcome Wednesday night of their series with the Islanders. Don't want to mess around. You want to end this because games three two that's three two Lightning three two Tampa Bay. So game game six six in New York, Uh and then a potential game seven back in Tampa. But now Vegas is down three two to Montreal, going to Montreal Friday. So how about this scenario? We could be in Vegas maybe with the Knights playing the Lightning. Or the Knights maybe get knocked out by Montreal, which didn't have a winning record in the little half-baked regular season, but they will have now knocked out three playoff opponents in a row and beat the Vegas Golden Knights. And game one and game two could be in Tampa while we're in Vegas for the Lightning in Montreal because Tampa Bay has home ice. So again, the audience knows some of this as you listen into Thursday, as you listen into Friday on what's going on in the hockey. But my point is I'm out there with the bride. I'm out there with my soon to be 13 year olds. They turn 13 next week, my girls. So we're going to hang in Vegas and maybe the Lightning are out there with the Knights. Maybe the Knights beat Montreal in game six and come back home and beat them in game seven. And how bananas, Brian, I got to get back to you on how bananas is it going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights hosting the Stanley Cup finals against the Lightning, the defending champs. And we're out there, maybe. Now, hey, how long has it been a, a long, long time since somebody from Canada has even been in the Cup finals? Yes, it's been uh, 10 years, I believe, since anybody's been in. That was Vancouver 2011. How about 1993? Montreal 1993 is the last Canadian team to win it. It has been nearly 30 years when you think about Montreal Canadiens, Gretzky and the Oilers, Calgary won it one year. They've They've had different teams win it. They haven't had a Canadian team win this in nearly 30 years, and it's their national sport. That must be such a source of unfathomable shame. Oh, but if they beat Vegas, then the Canadians are in the Stanley Cup final for the first time in, in like 30 years with a chance to win it, likely against Tampa Bay. So... Stay tuned on the hockey. All right, we got to get out of here in a moment or two. You've given great knowledge on the hoops. Anything else here, they need to lock in on your social media and on MajorWager.com for all the NBA gambling stuff, not just conference finals, but NBA finals over the next two weeks because Three three Dog Thursday again goes on summer hiatus till August. They got to keep it locked in on all your stuff for the betting trends, the injuries, all the stuff, right? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. You can follow my content on Major Wager. Uh, I do like Dustin Poirier on July 10th. He's a pick em, minus 110 either way against Conor McGregor. And then this Saturday, I like the underdog, uh, the Russian Alexander Volkov against Cyril Gagne. Uh, he, Volkov is around plus 145. I forget if we talked uh, uh, the Korean zombie last week. You did. I had him. You did. did. That underdog hit on Saturday's main event, and I think Volkov will hit. And then Poirier in two weeks uh, against McGregor. Um, McGregor's just another fighter now. Uh, what was it? Mar- oh, wait. Who was it saying? Somebody famous was saying 
that it wasn't Mar- – it was Marvin Hagler that said it's hard to get up at 5 a.m. to go for a jog when you're sleeping in silk silk sheets um somebody <laughs> said this week somebody famous said it was some other boxer and and like everybody just went with it and didn't correct him i forget who in the hell it was yeah but um well but they it's were true re- referencing mcgregor um, i always somebody, uh, sa- somebody well, yeah. said it was like mike tyson that said it and i'm like mcgregor mcgregor has certainly enjoyed more money than most ufc fighters would get and the fine life that comes with it the wealthy life that comes with it so how hungry uh, are you at that point? So it's a good point. By the way, there is some boxing for this weekend in Atlanta. How crazy is this? In and around the Hawks coming back to play game three, Saturday night, State Farm Arena, Gervonta Davis, one of the top lighter weight fighters in the world, knockout artist, 24-0. Uh, uh, He's fighting a, uh, a guy, Mario uh, Barrios. Um, Barrios uh, is a bigger fighter, at 140, taller fighter. This is a challenge for Davis. Again, he's kind of in the line. He's promoted by Floyd Mayweather of kind of, the, is he the next money May in the in the lighter weight divisions? He's fighting Saturday night in Atlanta. Lomachenko, one of the great lightweight fighters of the last five or six years, is fighting simultaneously in Vegas, both on Saturday night. So again, our brother podcast, Big Fight Weekend, the Big Fight Weekend podcast has more on the boxing. Marquise Johns and I host the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We'll preview the Davis Barrios fight. We'll preview Lomachenko out in uh, in Vegas in his lightweight uh, contender fight, looking to get back in the championship realm. So again, BigFightWeekend.com and the podcast is part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows. Hey, do I get a quick prediction from you? Because we're not going to be around in July. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, supposed to fight the third time Fury. in July. Everything is equal. Uh, Wilder trying to get his title back. Fury has dominated him basically in both fights. First fight called a draw. Second fight was a stoppage. Does Deontay Wilder avenge it, or does Tyson Fury make it another win over Wilder and basically retire Wilder? What do you think happens in July? Look in the crystal ball. I know it's a month from now, but look in the crystal ball. What happens? Oh, it's Fury, and I'm imagining, uh, and here I'm trying to go to the odds here. I'm sure he's heavily favored so you can take the prop I for him saw to win it by KO. I saw it before and it was something like four or five to one already and that may go up or down when we get it's closer minus to July 330 it's minus 335 Wilders plus 225 on the comeback and let's see Fury by KO is uh well inside the distance is minus 120 so you can shave that that big price off and uh for him to win or let's see win by KO is uh yeah, minus one ten. Well, I will say this. All right, yes, uh, Fury scored some knockdowns of Deontay Wilder in the second fight, but in fight number one, Wilder landed that atom bomb right hand and knocked him down twice, including dramatically in the twelfth round, where it didn't look like Fury was going to get up. He got up at the count of nine after being laid out. So that's the intrigue for the big heavyweight title fight, July pay per view, July twenty fourth in Las Vegas. Again, all things being equal, as we sign off here in June, we don't know there could be a COVID nineteen issue. We think not. There could be an injury. We believe these guys are going to fight though, July twenty fourth, T Mobile Arena in Vegas. So we'll wait to see uh, on that. So that there's boxing, there's UFC, there's basketball, there's Stanley Cup playoff hockey that's bleeding into July. The Olympics bleeding into July that is going to happen uh, over in Japan, including the basketball, the track and field, all the different sports, the swimming, all the different things that happen with the Olympics. We'll be watching all of this, and I know I look forward, Brian Edwards, to having you back with me 
when it's football season come August. That's when you will rejoin me. Come August, we'll be previewing the season and getting ready for college football and Alabama's latest title defense and my Champa Bay Buccaneers looking to go back-to-back as well in the NFL. For now, thank you. Great stuff all through the spring and the summer. Hanging in on Three Dog Thursday. Again, they need to find you on MajorWager.com and at Vegas B. Edwards on Twitter, right? Yeah, and all my picks are at VegasInsider.com. Make sure you get that Boston College win total over seven for uh, football. And, uh, yep, there you go. My man, I'll see you. I'll talk to you here soon. All right, Brian Edwards, thank you, thank you. Thanks also to Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Great stuff from him as well. Follow him at TSN Mike on social media. We are done for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. We are done through the month of July into August when football is back. I look forward to talking lots of college and NFL football as we build up to the season in August when Three Dog Thursday comes back. Again, I'll still be talking away on the Big Fight Weekend Boxing Podcast. Find that one wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe to Three Dog Thursday, and when it comes back in August, you'll get the automatic notifications of our new shows previewing the NFL season. Let's see what happens with the NBA playoffs. Why do I believe that it's going to be the Atlanta Hawks, Brian's team, finding a way to get into the NBA Finals, if not win it? Maybe it will be the Suns with Chris Paul back. I don't think it's the Clippers. I don't think it's Milwaukee. I think it's an Atlanta-Phoenix NBA Finals. Let's see. And go Champa Bay Lightning one more time with a chance at back-to-back Stanley Cups. Will they play Vegas? Will they play Montreal? We're going to find out. Again, my family and I out in Vegas next week. Will the Lightning be playing the Knights while we're there? Let's see what happens with that. For now, we are good. For now, we are done. And thank you for being with us all throughout the spring and the summer here on Three Dog Thursday. We're back in August. I am merely TJ Reeves. We're ready for some football about six or seven weeks from now. We'll talk to you then on the only digital radio show that focuses on those underdogs, Three Dog Thursday. Bye.